What does it even mean? Your pursuit of gut health is probably taking you down a rabbit hole of misinformation, useless concoctions, and false promises. So this is where this uncensored podcast comes in. The gastroenterologist and his daughter is the first of its kind, bringing a specialist gastroenterologist and his daughter, yours truly, to help you navigate the world of all things gut health from mouth to bum and everything in between. Join me, Sandra McHale, gut health specialist dietitian and founder of Nutrition A to Z, and my father, Wagdi McHale, specialist gastroenterologist and internist, as we unpack the most talked about topics in gut health, covering both the medical and lifestyle aspects of all things gut, with a ton of comedy and fecal tete-a-tete. Right, let's get into it. Friends, it is just me today. And gosh, we've got lots of hack this season. And funny enough, this episode made it on the list of trending topics ever since I was a guest on another podcast that was all about women's health. So apparently, a lot of you want to gain a better understanding and overview of how hormones impact our gut health and vice versa. I'm sure you have come across the term hormone balance, uh, and it is indeed the latest buzzword at the moment. So is fasting and longevity, but I will save these for another episode. Brad, I still find it very awkward to record these solo episodes, but here goes. I want to keep today short and useful, and I really want to unravel a specific connection when it comes to our gut health, and that is the gut hormone connection. So... You've probably heard me and dad before talk about all these different connections that our gut makes. So the gut-brain axis or the gut-brain connection is one of them. Now, I want you to understand this gut-hormone connection better because by understanding this connection more, you can then no longer be taken by surprise when your gut starts to play out throughout your menstrual cycle. So I want to set the scene to cover some basics. And I thought the best way to do that is perhaps read you all an excerpt from my book, The Gut Chronicles, on the female gut. There is no doubt that women have been underrepresented in clinical trials historically, especially women of color. So I'm dedicating this section to the female gut and what we currently know. Well, let's consider how we're an ever-changing mystery. Good luck to science in trying to uncover the full picture. This will be a condensed section since I believe the female gut warrants a book in itself. Why highlight the sex variation, you may ask? Sex hormones are believed to be a driving force when it comes to the prevalence and severity of medical conditions. For example, autoimmune conditions and IBS are more common in females. Furthermore, even symptom type and severity can differ between men and women, such as in the case of IBS. Females tend to have an increased constipation in comparison to men, possibly due to the higher levels of progesterone and estrogen. Progesto what? So when discussing hormones in your gut, you'll need a quick rundown. So here's my version of a speedy hormone glossary. So what are hormones? They are chemical compounds or messengers produced by the endocrine system. So that's your body's communication network that control many bodily functions and processes, including growth, reproduction, metabolism, sleep, and appetite, to name a few. Estrogen and progesterone are the two main female hormones produced by the ovaries in women. Men produce small quantities too. Women experience fluctuating hormones throughout their lifespan. And with that come changes in gut function, digestion, and gut microbes. Now, the gut hormone connection. 
is so apparent in women as we navigate different hormonal journeys. We see how different phases of our menstrual cycle impacts our digestion. Pregnancy comes with a ton of digestive disturbances, perimenopause and menopause as well. This is something that I've spoken about now quite frequently, and you might have noticed it in my posts as well. So what we know is that estrogen and progesterone, and these are the sex hormones, can affect your gut given that they have these receptors or doctrinal points with which they interact along your gut lining. So fluctuating levels of these hormones can impact how fast or how slow food passes through your digestive tract and the rate at which your gut absorbs liquid. So I hope I didn't lose you. And now what I want to do is I want to walk you through the different phases of the menstrual cycle. And perhaps you can take note of what to eat during each phase. But please, please do keep in mind that the length of every phase varies. And we have other factors that can impact that, such as birth control. So the following breakdown that I'm going to walk you through is actually based on a 28-day cycle. Now, if we had to really look at our menstrual cycle, generally it's divided up into two main phases. You've got the follicular phase and then you've got the luteal phase. Now, to simplify things even further, I'd like to break them down into four. So think about your follicular phase, then we've got ovulation, then we've got your luteal phase. So think about it as PMS, and then we've got menstruation, and then repeat. So let's start off with the follicular phase. So that's anywhere, you know, it's around day one to 14. So in the early part of your cycle, and that's after menstruation, both estrogen and progesterone levels are relatively low. However, estrogen at this point in time begins to rise gradually during this phase, preparing your body for ovulation. So in layman terms, your body is developing follicles that are going to turn into eggs. What gut symptoms do we experience? Now, actually, with low levels of estrogen and progesterone during that time, women may actually experience relatively stable and balanced gut during this phase. Some might even notice improved gut motility due to the gradually increasing estrogen levels, meaning they don't struggle as much to go to the loo, whether it's bowel movement frequency or the consistency of their poop. So if we have to look at specific foods to consume during this particular phase, I would say try to focus on foods that really help estrogen metabolism such as things like your broccoli sprouts, maybe some fermented foods like sauerkraut, as well as healthy fats like avocado, walnuts, and maybe some salmon if you do consume fish. The next phase is ovulation. And again, that would be around day 14. So in this phase, you can think of ovulation as happening around the middle of your menstrual cycle. Estrogen peaks right before ovulation, promoting the release of an egg from the ovary. And then progesterone levels start to rise at this point. If we had to look at gut symptoms when you're ovulating, now the surge of estrogen before ovulation can cause increased gut motility and more frequent bowel movements in some women. Also, some women may experience bloating or water retention during that specific phase due to the hormonal fluctuations. So then for this specific phase, if we had to look at foods to consume, 
I would say try to focus on reducing your salt intake, not to further exacerbate the bloat or even fluid retention. Specific foods that you can consume during this phase to support the your ovulation phase, especially if we're looking at fertility. Again, keep in mind, you know, I might be mentioning specific ingredients, but keep in mind that food really does work in synergy. So you really have to look at your dietary pattern. But during this phase, we try to focus on things that are anti-inflammatory and quite high in antioxidants. So again, going back to these healthy fats, we look at foods that are rich in specific B vitamins like B6 and folate. So we're looking at things like raspberries and strawberries, spinach or Swiss chard, almonds, pistachios, and even some dark chocolate and fatty fish. Now, the luteal phase, also known as the phase from hell. So luteal phase is anywhere between fifth day 15, yeah, around day 15. But as I said, it really varies from person to person or until you actually menstruate. So actually, this is the phase where digestive symptoms are amplified. Now, what happens during this phase is that after ovulation, your estrogen levels will start to decrease and progesterone levels continue to rise, preparing your uterus for potential pregnancy. Now, gut symptoms during that time are really related to progesterone's role. Progesterone is known for its relaxing effect on smooth muscles and can also influence your gut. So actually, some women might experience a slower gut motility during this phase, which can lead to constipation. Also, and again, I wouldn't say this is across the board, but some women might notice that they experience more acid reflux symptoms. And this is because progesterone can relax this sphincter, this junction right above your stomach called lower esophageal sphincter, allowing stomach acid to flow back into the esophagus, potentially causing these symptoms of heartburn and reflux. Again, as I said, it's, it's really across the board. So I would say the majority, including myself, will, will experience a sluggish gut, sore constipation. So again, the target here when it comes to dietary modifications is, right, how do we address the constipation? And one way, is, I mean, one way that you can do it is a, to start including a type of fiber called psyllium husk. You can look at including ground flaxseed, perhaps maybe boost the amount of chickpeas that you're eating. And remember, I'm sure you've heard me talk about kiwi fruit. So focus on having two kiwi fruits a day. Now, apart from the sluggish gut, some women might experience some bloating and some stomach cramps right before their period. So during that phase, this is where I would say reducing caffeine intake, alcohol, as well as things like your fatty foods and spicy foods can offer a little bit of benefit because they are known to exacerbate your symptoms especially the first two days into your period. Now, during the luteal phase, so during PMS, if during that phase your level of discomfort is over five, meaning, so if you've read my book, we always score, you know, how do we score our level of discomfort to kind of reassure ourselves of what is normal and what needs to be looked into? Zero being no discomfort, 10 being excruciatingly painful. So if your level of discomfort, whether it's stomach pain or bloating is over a five, and perhaps a modified low FODMAP approach for a week may be worthwhile trying, but only under the supervision of a dietitian. Now, other foods that you can include during this phase, you might hear of serotonin, you know, foods that boost your serotonin levels. So this is, you know, your happy hormone. While we really don't have strong evidence that specific foods are going to significantly boost serotonin levels, it doesn't mean we shouldn't think about them. 
So certain specific food components, whether it's those that boost serotonin levels or those especially that are rich in magnesium and vitamin six and protein. So again, rather than focus on, you know, what miracle foods are going to improve my mood levels, think of specific nutrients or, you know, nutrients that are rich in magnesium, B6 and protein. And they include things like tofu, eggs, green leafy vegetables, quinoa, chickpeas, almonds, cashews, and bananas. Now, day one of your period. So from a biology perspective, if pregnancy doesn't happen, your hormone levels drop leading to the shedding of the uterine lining and the start of a new menstrual cycle. So that's day one of your period. Now, in terms of gut symptoms, so what happens is hormone levels decline, so they become lower. Some women may experience looser bowel movements or diarrhea during your period. Also, the drop in estrogen and progesterone levels may actually improve the bloat and water retention for some women. So during that phase, the specific foods to consume, again, could include things like psyllium husk to address the loose stool. And as I mentioned earlier, caffeine, spicy food, and alcohol are better off than they need for the first two to three days of your period. Specific foods that I want you to be a bit more mindful of here are also those that are quite rich in iron because of blood loss. So focus on foods such as, again, beans, lentils, or chickpeas, poultry, if you do consume meat or animal products, eggs, nuts and seeds, as well as green leafy vegetables. This little mini episode probably gave me a little snapshot of this journey throughout our menstrual cycle. For some of you who are perhaps either need a biology refresher or were aware of these phases and how our hormones impact our gut. And I really do hope that today's episode just nudges you to start understanding your bodies and cycle a little bit better. And perhaps tracking your cycle for three months, including noting down symptoms and food choices at specific phases every cycle may be worthwhile just to understand your needs a little bit more. Thank you again for tuning in and don't forget to give us a follow, rate or review us if you've been enjoying this podcast. I'll be back again in your ears with Dad next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Gastroenterologist and His Daughter podcast. Don't forget to join us again. And if you've been enjoying our chats, make sure you subscribe, follow or leave a review on your chosen platform.